Hello everybody, welcome back to the Gamer Life Podcast. I'm your host Johnny and we just celebrated our three-year anniversary on Twitch. We had an epic celebration stream and I know a lot of you showed up. Thank you for that and uh, we gave away a lot of prizes. It was a lot of fun. So lots to come in the in the next year here. Big plans. We have a bigger team when it comes to mods and people that are helping out with, with the channel. So it's going to be an exciting year. I hope for you guys as well. And today we're going to talk about the games I've been playing. Scarlet Nexus, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and Ratchet and Clank, of course. Plus, we're going to talk about a few things that I've been watching. So with that, let's go. Hey! By the way, I got vaccinated this week, so your boy is fully vaccinated and ready to go. Very happy about that. Had no adverse effects. I got the AstraZeneca here in the UK. No issues. Very happy to report. I know a few people asked, so thanks for you know asking about it and giving a fuck. It's always nice to see. And with that, let's jump into our first topic of the day, which is Scarlet Nexus. The game hit on the 25th. And it, it's had pretty positive reception. I would say surprisingly so, because in most reviews that I've watched and most people that I've talked to, the consensus seems to be that the story is absolutely nuts. And not necessarily in a good way. Let me explain. When the creators of Code Vein pitch a super complex story potentially involving time travel and other weird things, you have to be a bit cautious because a complex narrative handled clumsily can be a disaster. And sadly, I kind of think that's what happened here. At least where I'm at in the game, I have to just preface everything by saying I haven't finished the game. This is just my opinion as of something like 10 hours and I believe I'm in phase six. For those of you playing the game, you will know the game is broken now into phases. And so far, the story, the way they tell it, is utterly confusing. And I, I really can't wreck my brain around what is happening there. At some point, it started to cascade into a sequence of events, each of them unexplained each of them inscrutable and i'm getting to the point where i'm just sitting back and enjoying the other elements of the game which i like a lot i'm gonna get to as well and i'm no longer attempting to understand everything because i don't think it's possible i think that the idea is it's going to be one of those stories where when you get to the end and everything is broken down and and hopefully explained, you can connect all the dots and things that didn't make sense initially kind of click into place and make sense. At least I think that's the intent. And we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that that will happen eventually. But so far it has not, and it's been quite confusing to try to, <laughs> to tag along with what's happening. But that's a testament to how good the other parts of the game are the fact that despite that sort of issue, 
a lot of the reviewers are recommending the game and I'm not going to name any, any people because I've had conversations kind of off the record with reviewers and you know, the, the opinion seems to be that it's fun to play. And I agree. I really like the animations. I like how you take the squad powers and use them to augment your own. And it, it adds this tactical layer to an otherwise Devil May Cry style combat where normally you wouldn't put a lot of thought into it. At least I didn't when I played those games. And, and this adds an element of rock, paper, scissors in the sense that when you're up against certain enemies, they have certain properties that will make you ineffective unless you use the right power. For example, maybe you need the teleportation power to get in place and land an attack before an enemy can put up its defenses. Or maybe you need the uh, electrocution power for enemies that are very, very powerful and maybe you can use environmental water to then inflict a lot of extra damage, that sort of thing. I think it's done very well and compared to the demo where you have a lot of stuff unlocked early on, the game has you unlocking these little by little and it's kind of tailored to the mission. What I'm curious to see is going forward if they allow you to select members of your squad so that you can say, hey, for this mission, I want to have the electricity guy, the teleportation guy, the clairvoyance gal, you know, and you can kind of piece together a squad based on the powers that you value or that kind of fit your playstyle. I have yet to see that. So far, the missions have been tailored and uh, they give you the people you're going to need effectively, which is also fine. But I would like to see that extra element of customizing your squad that I haven't seen yet. The other element of this is they attempt to create a social layer to the game. You have these bond episodes with all the squad members. And I have to say, they, they have been very shallow so far. So again, I don't know if this is something that will improve as we go into the game. But it never feels like they talk like real people would, ever. And I know this is a big thing in anime where... Characters in anime don't even talk like people would talk in Japan, much less like we are used to talking in the West. But this to me just feels like broken English sometimes. Not strictly speaking, but to the point where you will get a message out of nowhere asking some outrageous question that makes no sense. Why would you ask me that? Like this one girl asked me out of nowhere, would you say to someone, I need you? And th there's no context. That's the message. And these messages are coming into your brain directly, right? Because the whole thing is you're plugged into this sort of hive mind scenario with your squad. And you have this ongoing WhatsApp group in your brain that you can't ever shut down. And you have these messages pop up. So it's, it's kind of very weird because they're very intrusive at times but at the same time all the interactions seem very shallow so that aspect hasn't landed for me yet and there are a lot of character tropes that you would see in anime for example the girl that is all over your bones but you can't realize 
or, or for some reason you don't realize that that's happening and you're oblivious to any uh, sexual advances for some reason, or th the girl that's very mean to you, but whose approval you desperately seek and any word of encouragement from her means the world to you. All these are massively well-established tropes within the anime world, let's say, and they're used here a bit too much for my taste. Another one that annoys me is the girl that's always apologizing for simply existing. Like, why are you apolog- we just started the conversation and you're apologizing. It's a, you, you know what I mean? It, it gets a bit tiring and I think it comes from a place of, you know, she has some trauma and insecurity and all that, which is understandable, but all in all, the interactions haven't been that amazing. And there are only really a couple characters that uh, I'm enjoying. Luckily, the main character is okay. I would say I'm playing as the boy in the story. And he at least has a positive attitude and it's, it's a bit more lighthearted. But again, he seems oblivious to so many things from a social standpoint that it, it makes it a little bit difficult to relate. So really, with all those gripes, it's quite surprising how much I'm enjoying the game. And I am. I'm still very keen on uh, finishing it and playing playing through it. And there's something about the combat where they nailed the satisfaction element. When you, you land a finisher, when you land a special attack, those things are really just very well done. And... It's a shame that so many other elements in the game are lackluster, again, in my opinion. For example, I would love fully animated cutscenes. And I would love a better crafting system. What's there is very shallow and really to call it a crafting system is to be quite generous, let's be honest. A lot of the materials are not creatively named either. They're just like environmental material A, environmental material B, right? And you have to go back to these areas to collect these if you want to unlock things like gifts for the different characters or craft new upgrades for weapons and things like that. So that aspect is really not fleshed out at all for me. I'd like to see them do better with that. I will say though, even though I would prefer, like I said, animated cutscenes, they do a decent job with presenting what's there in these more like portrait type cutscenes. There's some movement there that makes it more dynamic and it's delivered quite well for what what's there in terms of budget. So I would say that could have been a lot worse and I'm okay with that aspect of the presentation. What I'm less okay with is the music and it, it's been I, I want to say it's been hit hit or miss there have been a few tracks that I've enjoyed but overall I really don't jive with the electro slash you know scratch thing that they have going on they kind of mix it up with jazz sometimes as well and it never quite works for me there's something about it is just off and also, I have to say, it doesn't seem like it fits as well as they wanted it to. There are other games where I don't like the tracks, but the tracks fit the game very well. We talked about Cyberpunk. 
I don't really like the music in it at all, but it fits pretty well. But here it's a bit, you know, again, in the tutorial, there's like dubstep popping. My dudes, what are we doing? Right? The game just started. I'm in the tutorial and you're popping this like over the top dubstep. And then when you're in the main base of operations, they have this kind of not main base of operations, sorry, the city where the headquarters are and you're strolling around and they have this tune where it sounds like someone learned how to scratch a disc in a DJ style and they just want to do that in every opportunity they have in the track. So it's, it's just done so much <laughs> that it, 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 it's again overdone in my opinion. But um, at least they experimented with stuff, you know, kudos to them for trying some genre mixes and fusions there. But overall, I'm enjoying the game a lot, which is, again, a testament to how some of the things they get right are just very, very enjoyable. I picked it up for 30 pounds on the internet for PC, and that's a buy for me at that price. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a full, let's say, 70 pounds, if that's the price for you. I would wait on a sale in that case, but... I have been digging it quite a bit. I will say one other positive thing is the perk system or skill tree is quite interesting for the most part. You unlock things that actually change your, your play style and add layers to it. For example, I unlocked the ability to use several powers concurrently and it, that really adds a, an extra layer to it because you, you can have like a mobility power on at the same time as a damage dealing one and combining different things like that really adds some spice to the mix. There are some nodes in the tree that are not very inspired, like 5% attack bonus too. Nobody likes those. And you still wanna grab them because it's free damage, but we gotta find better, more interesting ways of buffing damage in games rather than just like, oh, this, this percentage upgrade to your attacks. I think we're, we're beyond that point, and uh, at this point, I expect something better, something more interesting and compelling. Moving on to our next topic today, I want to discuss Yakuza Like a Dragon a little bit. It had been months since I had Game Pass, because honestly, all the games on there I either already own or maybe I'm not interested in. So even though it's massive value for a lot of people, for me, there wasn't a lot there that was interesting. But Yakuza Like a Dragon came on Game Pass recently, as you guys saw in the recent E3 shows. And I was really keen on trying that out. So I picked up Game Pass and as always, they, you know, they have this amazing offer. Like if you haven't had it for a few months, they give it to you for, for a dollar, don't they? And they even, I think, give you three months for a dollar, something crazy, amazing value. So I jumped back into it. I boot up Yakuza and for context, this is my, really my first Yakuza game. I have played a decent amount of Judgment, which is also a Yakuza game, although not in name. So I had some idea what to expect, but I knew that the tone in the Yakuza games was much more silly than that of Judgment. And that seems to be the case. I'm, I'm, I, was, uh, I was happily 
let's say, surprised, I guess, by the goofiness mixed in with some serious elements. It, it really works. It's um, The best way I could describe it is as if you thought of a, a Japanese soap opera and interspersing the soap opera elements with some combat, in this case, turn-based combat, which happens to be something similar to a Final Fantasy X situation where you can't move at all during combat. You can just select what you're going to do with, with your turn, and it's fully turn-based. Quite interesting. There are some timed events, let's say. So, for example, if someone is on the ground and you hit them in time, you can get a bonus on that. Uh, there are also some quick time events and things like that to spice it up a little. But overall, it's a pretty big departure from the classic Yakuza combat style and that of Judgment 2, which is a real-time action model where you're, you're picking up cones off the street and hitting people with them. So it was a, a risky change, in my view, for them to make. So far, it's landed quite well with me personally, where it, it's quite fast-paced, so it doesn't quite have the glacial feeling of some of the classic JRPG titles and doesn't feel as formulaic as some of those. And really, the combat is not very long. You typically are done with combat quite quickly, even for bosses. It's, it never feels like too much of a slog so far. I've been happy with it. It's a nice intermission to an otherwise very lengthy and girthy exposition that the game has. To their credit, though, the story is legitimately interesting and you do want to see where it goes. I feel like you get a liking for characters quite quickly. They're quirky, they're interesting, they are properly motivated to, to do what they're doing. Even the bad guys have some kind of clear motivation that seems to make sense or seems to be consistent in the, let's say, mob world. But it is quite convoluted. I mean, even early on, you see, you get exposure to all these different families from a clan, and then there's another clan, and then there's the Chinese mafia on top of the Japanese mafia, and the Chinese mafia has different families as well, and they are intermingled with each other and fighting for territory and there's a standstill between that and the main Japanese mafia clan. Dude, it's for someone who doesn't read or expose himself to a lot of that type of Japanese mafia content, let's say, it is a bit overwhelming to keep up, but they do a pretty good job of explaining it all. And I feel like the pacing is really quite good despite having very, very lengthy cutscenes. So if you're going to jump in, be ready to, <laughs> to drop that controller for long periods of time, because it does feel like the portions, portions of gameplay are short intermissions between the otherwise lengthy exposition scenes. And from Yakuza, let's talk a bit about Ratchet & Clank, which we've been playing on my stream. And... This may be one of the first games that feels like $70 for me. There's something about the production quality in this game. I don't know quite how to explain it because obviously it's very subjective, but it feels like everything is high quality. Everything is <laughs> a lot of work. There are scenes 
which take place in maybe 15 seconds, but they look like an Avengers Endgame level production. With all this shit happening in the background, stuff that you're not even looking at, but they created a whole thing that's happening there. And it, it may be, again, one of the first titles that are pushing the envelope when it comes to production values, I would argue. As much as I loved Demon Souls, I wouldn't really say it's worth 70 pounds. It is for me because I loved the original game and I wanted to play that very badly. But if I try to dissociate, let's say, my preferences and be a bit more objective, I would say, you know, the production value in that game, also being a, a remake, isn't there for 70 pounds. But Ratchet is this amazing intergalactic, interdimensional space adventure with lighthearted story, cool characters. The dialogue is, of course, childish because the, the game is largely, I would imagine, marketed or, or kind of thought out for younger audiences. But it's not dumb. It's not dumb dialogue. And it's a bit difficult to explain the difference, but sometimes it's actually funny. They have some good puns. You know, there, there's some subtext there. And I will say the writing overall is pretty decent. The idea of the different dimensions and the, the different versions of oneself in those dimensions really adds a cool layer to all this. And I'm someone who hasn't played any other Ratchet and Clank games. So I was going into it pretty neutral without knowing necessarily what to expect. Just hoping for a fun platforming action adventure. And we're getting that in spades for sure. But I think also for people who are fans of the game, they are taking it to a different level with this one. And it has been very interesting to play and very cool to see with all the hype that was behind this one and how Sony was basically overselling it from day one of this project being made public, that it did come out as a, a great game. I love seeing that. I love seeing projects come to fruition in, in such a polished state. I've been playing it in the 60 FPS RTX mode and it's, it's an absolutely beautiful game. It's amazing how well it runs. And the fact that you have all these reflective surfaces, like Cyberpunk was meant to be, you see yourself in the world a lot, which sounds silly, but you know, with all these glass surfaces and things, you're looking around, you're, see you're seeing yourself and other elements of the world reflected on the, you know, maybe on the cockpit of your ship. There's something magical about that, guys, that I guess only RTX or, or very good lighting engine or, or lightning work can deliver. It's solidifying your place in the world and things in the world existing cohesively. I don't know. I think they nailed it with this one. And it may be one of the most polished games I've played this year, period. Hey, let's talk a little bit about shows and movies. I've been watching a few things and I wanted to kind of discuss. I find it fun to break down what I watch because then I also kind of revisit and reflect a bit on what I liked. 
And this week I watched the the second episode of Loki, the new show on Disney Plus, which kind of shows uh, an adventure of the Loki character that we didn't get. I don't want to say we didn't get much of him in Avengers, but for me personally, he clearly got eclipsed by other bigger characters that that got more screen time or or more importance in the in the story. He always felt like a bit of a side character, never fully fleshed out. And I was hoping to get that here. So far, so far I've enjoyed the cast a lot. I mean, Loki, the actor is really good. He's great in the role, so that wasn't a surprise. Owen Wilson was a nice addition to this. He brings in obviously some comedic chops to an otherwise fairly serious role, but I think it's a good mix. Aside from that, I still haven't seen a lot of other characters that I sort of care about, but we'll see. It's still early on in the show. The show plays with time travel a lot, and there's this sort of central agency that oversees the timeline. Kind of a throwback to Endgame where they mess with the idea of a timeline and what would happen if you went to the past and all that stuff. Well, here they have a, a full agency dedicated to stopping any messing with the timeline. And they, they kind of describe how that works. Sadly, there are lots of, I want to say plot holes, but they're just issues that are very fundamental that I'm not liking here. They are in many ways undermining the world building, the very world building guys of all the Avengers movies and everything we've seen so far. To give you a quick example that's hopefully not spoilerish, they at one point they joke about using infinity stones as paperweights because apparently they have tons of them from different dimensions and or different timelines. And apparently they have no power in this time agency. So for some reason, the all-powerful infinity stones that have been established prior as this universe-ending powerful source of energy, they are rendered powerless without explanation in this agency. And there are many things like that um, that I could mention, but would be spoilerish, that are really undermining things that have been established in movies. So I feel that they haven't really thought a lot of this stuff through, and it, it makes me very <laughs> uneasy because it, it's going in a direction I'm not liking very much. Not only are they undermining a lot of these things that were established, and I'm very kind of scared about what they're going to do with that. But also there's this obsession with putting Loki in his place where Loki is supposed to get away with stuff. He's supposed to be smart to the point where he can trick everybody and you can think you know what he's doing and then he springs with a trap or something. It's not really what's happening. Loki is desperate for, I guess, approval in some way. I don't like how it's being played out so far. Again, very early on, but my early impressions have not been very positive based on, on those main things. Let's see where it goes from here. But let's move on to Invincible, the Amazon Prime show that I binged this week. This show portrays the adventure of a teenage kid 
much like a, a Clark Kent scenario where his dad comes from an alien planet, has superpowers, and this kid also gets his superpowers in the beginning of the show. Crazy events ensue early on, very early on, and you're left wondering what the fuck is going on throughout a lot of the show. And I'll just say in the end, it is all explained fairly well, and it's, it's quite brutal. <laughs> it's explained in quite brutal fashion to great effect. I think they got the perfect person to portray the dad, which is J.K. Simmons, if you remember him from Whiplash, tossing a drum head at the, <laughs> at the student. He's basically doing that here in some occasions, and he, he's just great at it, right? So the cast for the show is amazing. Everybody has a really unique, distinctive voice. And the way people speak in this show to each other seem way more relatable to me as someone who grew up in the West than, let's say, uh, a Japanese show, which is, of course, by design. But it's also a refreshing change Although I do like anime quite a bit, as you guys know, it is also refreshing to go to one of these Western shows and see them portray something a bit more relatable when it comes to the dialogue between people and how, let's say, students would actually talk to each other in some way or, or like a son talk to a dad and those different interactions are done quite well. There's a clear sense of parody here in the way that many of the superheroes have had parallels done already so some characters look like pre-existing heroes from other shows, but the turn of events are always surprising and you never quite expect things to turn out the way they do. It's actually quite interesting how they managed to pull that off quite consistently. And I would say this has been one of the biggest surprises this year for me as a show to jump in and watch this and just be kind of taken aback by what happens and at the end of every episode, be left wondering what the fuck is going to happen next? Where are they going to take it from here? And uh, it's been a very interesting. It's, a, it's an eight episode show for now. Season one is out. I think season two is already confirmed. And I'm really looking forward to that. So if you get a chance, go check it out on Amazon Prime. It's highly worth your time. And lastly for today, I watched a movie called Fatherhood with Kevin Hart. It's a movie about him becoming a dad, a single dad at that. And really, it's just, if you like Kevin Hart, if you think he's funny, you will enjoy this movie. It's, it's like putting Kevin Hart in funny or, or tricky situations and having some comedy or some drama coming from that. I think it's done well. It's not going to blow anybody's mind in terms of the plot, but it's a little bit like a Ricky Gervais movie where... It's about putting someone you find funny or enjoyable in a different situation and kind of seeing how it plays out. Like Ricky Gervais, as this example goes, has done other movies where he puts himself in these situations. And it's kind of funny to see him in those different scenarios uh, as someone who likes his comedy or, or his style. So in the same way, if you like Kevin Hart, I think this is going to be enjoyable for you to check out. It's on Netflix. And that's it from me. I hope you have a great week. I hope to see you in the Twitch streams or in the Discord. Stay well, my friends. And as always, we'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Gamer Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to share with your friends and come back every Monday at 9 a.m. UK time for a new episode. You can find all that I do, including streaming, license-free music, and much more at my website, johnnyplays.live. That's J-O-N-N-Y plays.live. And as always, catch you next time.